welcome to Revolutionary Health Live, the show that focuses on Black and men's health and wellness. I'm your host, Michael Ward. So excited to be with you all tonight to talk about this very important topic, the COVID-19 vaccine. We've got a wealth of information to present to everyone. So make sure that you remember we're live. So ask as many questions as you'd like so we can make sure that we include everyone. And as, make, as well, make sure that you follow us on our social media everywhere, CNP Tribe. We want to make sure that you stay updated on everything that's going on in our world, especially The Reckoning magazine. But I'm so excited that I have two guests um, that I love talking to very much. Um, Dr. David Melbranch is back here on the show. We love to see his face. As well, I've got Jaron Totten here from LGBT Detroit joining us again to the show. I'm so very excited, you guys, to be able to bring this information to everyone about the vaccine. But before we get into all of that, just want to start with um, asking you both, how are you? How's everything going on in your world where you are? You can kick it off, uh, David. Since your birthday was last Saturday, y'all tell him happy birthday. <laughs> right. Um, so, hey, everybody. Uh, David Malbranch, happy to be here. Um, I'm actually repping Veni um, Etienne. Uh, I have a name. Veni was on uh, Project Runway a few years back and has done some amazing stuff um, and has an amazing line of clothing. He's uh, a brilliant fashion designer. Um, and I believe based in Dallas, but he's also Haitian, so I wanted to rep him today. I'm feeling pretty good. It was 72 degrees in Atlanta today. I went for like a seven-mile walk earlier. Um, so I just had a good time, um, and I'm just happy to be here. I'm doing well as well. Just glad to be here. Thanks. Shout out to CMP for having me again. Um, it's it's still cold in Detroit, uh, so we'll we'll probably be seeing some some warmer weather in a few weeks. I'm sporting my alma mater, North Carolina a &T. We are the number one public HBCU in the nation. Aggie pride is worldwide. Come on, I'm loving this history. Everybody got their shirts on. But I definitely wanna dive into this since I know we're gonna get a lot of questions and a lot of information to cover. Um, especially with COVID-19, we've surpassed 500,000 deaths here in America, which to me is just astronomical. Um, but I just wanna, uh, start both by talking about the experience of taking the vaccine and what was that decision like as well um, of saying that, you know, I want to go ahead and get vaccinated. Because I remember specifically a conversation that I had a few months back on Revolutionary Health uh, with you, Dr. Mel Branch, where I was like, I ain't giving my body to science. I'm not going to donate it. I'm not going to let them um, experiment on me and all of these kind of things that I was going through. So um, just walk me through that decision of deciding that, you know, the vaccine was for you and what was the experience like? Uh, well, I mean, for me, I wasn't going to do it at first. I was going to wait until actually, you know, things became, uh, it was open to the general population, which would probably be in later March or April. Um, but then I took a part-time job working at the AIDS Healthcare Foundation Clinic at Aid Atlanta. Um, and I started working there about two weeks ago. So when we were having those conversations about a month ago, I was like, you know, I'm going to start seeing patients again. And I hadn't been seeing patients in the clinic since September of 2019. So I kind of knew at that point that I wanted to get the vaccine. At first, I tried to get into a trial, um, like a vaccine trial, uh, a clinical trial, and that didn't work. And then I ended up 
um, getting a colleague of mine who works at Emory and said, well, you know, you can go to Grady. Here's the link. She gave me the link. And she said, you know, it's very true. I've worked at Grady Hospital probably for 17 of the last 20 years in some way, shape or form. So I was able to set up an appointment there and got the vaccination um, and had the first one over a month ago and then had the second one, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday prior. Uh, and the experience was fine. I was in and out in a few minutes, um, only had some soreness in my arm where they gave me the shot. Uh, I was kind of proactive in that I took um, ibuprofen and a leave uh, after I got the vaccine. So I had a meal afterwards and I, I took some you know, anti-inflammatories and I didn't have, even with the second one, I didn't have kind of a big, you know, feverish. I didn't feel knocked out, anything like that. So to me, it actually, it went pretty smoothly. Um, do you want me to answer the same question? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Well, I, um, I, I, I recognize several things when, when the opportunity for, for vaccination, you know, first came on the scene. It was a study that I was going to try to get into um, because I, I realized several things. Like I catch everything that 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 blows, and so while I was shocked that I at that point, by the time a, a vaccination trial came out, we were already about five six months into the pandemic, and I was already shocked that I did not catch COVID. Right, and so um, I missed the appointment um, for the trial. And so I didn't get on the trial. I then um, heard that the city was giving out um, uh, vaccines. And so I got a vaccine from the city. The first shot was fine, you know, little arm tenderness. But the second shot, I did have um, some issues with, not issues, but like I felt the side effects after the second shot. I had a fever. My fever probably went up to about 103. And um, the body aches set in. But it was gone after 24 hours. I think the fever broke. I got. I just got my second one Thursday, and so Friday, um, my my partner stayed home with me uh, because he he saw the fever. Uh, but by Saturday, like late Saturday, Friday evening, early Saturday morning, the fever broke. The body aches went away. So yeah. Thank y'all both for sharing that experience with me, and just to uh, remind everyone watching as well, Jaren is in Detroit. We've got Dr. Mel Branch in Atlanta, so we've got two different sections of America um, with the, the vaccine. Of you all, would like to end the chat. We are live, so we wanna make sure we get as many in as we possibly can. But I did have a question um, from earlier um, from my Instagram, Dr. Mel Branch. People were asking, why do you need two shots for the vaccine? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on the vaccine itself, right? So, you know, hepatitis B has been traditionally three shots, uh, hepatitis A is two shots, flu is one. It just depends on the type of the vaccine, how it's worked and how it's composed. I think with both the Pfizer, Biotech and the Moderna ones, um, they were operating by a completely different technology, which was that mRNA vaccine, which is like a synthetic, it's not dead vaccine, it's not live vaccine or not live virus, it's none of that. It's, it's not giving you any dead or live viruses. It's actually synthetic. So it's tricking your body into thinking a component of the coronavirus is there in your body and then your immune system attacks it. The reason why you need a second one is that sometimes the first shot just kind of introduces your immune system to it. It ramps up and produces antibodies or proteins to fight it. 
Um, and then by the second one, then it really ramps it up even more. The second time you get exposed to something, um, it kind of primes your immune system a little bit uh, more. And that's where you get the 95% reduction in you know illness, hospitalizations, all that stuff of people getting severe sickness from COVID-19. So that's how it works. But it's, it's similar. I think a lot of people nowadays are learning about the immune system a lot more. And it's the immune system is such a confusing system in the body, to be honest with you. I don't think a lot of medicine truly understands all of it, but it's similar to kind of the way you get exposed to something, say pollen, if you move to Atlanta, you get exposed to pollen the first time and you may have some mild symptoms. That's your immune system actually reacting against the pollen. But then that second year that you get re-exposed to it and your immune system is ready, all of a sudden your eyes are watery, you're like wiped out, you're fatigued, you know, you're sniffling, you're coughing, scratchy throat, all that stuff. So sometimes the immune system needs a bit of a boost in order to build up that response. And I think that's partly uh, what we're talking about, why those two vaccines need uh, need two shots apiece. And the Johnson & Johnson one that is probably going to be FDA uh, emergency approved this weekend or early next week, that's only one shot. Come on, one shot. With that, thank you very much for that explanation. Um, after getting vaccinated as well for you uh, both um, that can answer this question, how do you feel? Do you feel safer? Do you feel... Uh, any better than you did before taking the vaccine? I, I know Jaron said that you are at risk of still catching um, stuff, but how do you feel about it? I just, I'm curious. I, I, I feel a lot better. And that's really because, you know, from a child um, to now, I, I have caught colds, um, upper respiratory infections very easily. Um, I feel like as, as a nation, we were kind of backed into a corner um, by by the last administration to where we didn't have, we really did not or and don't have a choice but to trust something at this point. Um, I would, we're either going to make, ha, you know, take a risk in getting COVID and dying or taking the, the uh, vaccine and having some kind of adverse um, side effect. And so, I, I felt like I would I was in a better position to take my chances with the vaccine than without the vaccine. Yeah, I, I would just say the same thing. I think, um, you know, I was happy that I, you know, was I, I felt blessed to be able to get access to the vaccine. I similarly felt the same way that Jaron stated that I think we were caught behind the eight ball. We're still trying to catch up from some of the previous administration's mess ups with this. Um, but I'm happy that I was I was able to get it. Uh, and I think the rollout, what's frustrating for a lot of people that I hear is that, you know, they want to be able to get it um, and they can't get it for whatever reason. And it really varies by states. I've heard of some people in some states being able to get it rather quickly, even though they're not healthcare workers, they're not essential workers, they're not over 65, but they're able to get the vaccine. Other states, other locales, people, there's just a long waiting list. And so it, it really depends on where you live. But I just keep telling people to keep trying uh, to find out what's going on and stay on it because, you know, people are really wanting to get this. And this whole thing that, you know, black folks don't want to get this vaccine is a bunch of bullshit mm. because there are a lot of folks, there are a lot of black people lining up for this. And so I don't really believe the hype that they're all saying. I think there's some legitimate um, concerns about and questions about the vaccine. Um, but I don't think any of that is is kind of things that, you know, folks can't handle or folks can't explain. And I think it's more of 
from my experience, I've seen a lot of people, Jam, you may want to speak on this, you know, what you're seeing in Detroit, but down here in Atlanta, I see a lot of people just saying, well, I just want to wait and see. I want to wait and see what's going on because a year was a little bit too quick for me. So I want to, I want to wait and see what's going to happen. And I don't think that's necessarily unreasonable. But for me as a scientist, as a medical person, I'm, I've seen people die. I've seen tons of friends get sick from this. I've seen other people get hospitalized. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to take that chance. I would much rather um, get the vaccine and have some mild side effects than get the full, take my chances of getting, you know, the whole COVID-19 syndrome and then uh, the risk being hospitalized. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Jeremy, were you about to say something? Yeah, um, I, it, it really does vary by by state. Here in Detroit, um, it's, it's down to the cities. Um, if you live in Detroit, you'll call the city of Detroit right now if you want to get a vaccine or if you live in, an, in another suburb. Um, but I'm looking on on the Facebook Live. I'm seeing some questions. Is it OK? Someone said in, in North Carolina that they can't get one there. And it really for North Carolina, because I'm from North Carolina, my grandmother still lives there. She's getting her second vaccine tomorrow. Um, they they are given by the, the county. So um, you'll if you you'll want to reach out to your health department at your county. Uh, I think that was Art Jackson that made that um, comment. You want to reach out to your to the, to the health department at your count in your county to try and get a vaccine. For me, um, I'm I'm gonna just gonna be honest here. Uh, when when I called to the city of Detroit to get my vaccine, uh, they they were looking for certain kinds of workers. And I wasn't sure until after I told the lady that I work at LGBT Detroit, she said, oh, you work at a, at a gay shelter, a gay homeless shelter. Well, we're not a shelter, but we are an education advocacy um, organization. But I did not like argue with her. Sure, I work at a shelter, let me get my shot. <laughs> exactly, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> and, so, and so there were some other people in my office and some other friends who are kind of in the same work that I'm in um, and I, and, uh, and it, sometimes it does depend on who answers the phone because when they tried to call and say, oh, I work for an LGBT organization, some people were like, they're not on the list. And so, um, you know, it, it really just depends. It, that's why we really need um, a, a, a more uniform rollout uh, across the nation because some, some people um, are not able to get it just because they live in a certain place. And um, yeah. Absolutely. And there coming out in the past few weeks about certain counties here in Georgia that were giving people the vaccine that weren't in the certain groups um, that were reprimanded for that as well. But people want to take the vaccine. And I was um, gonna say to your point as well, Dr. Melbranch, when it comes to black and brown communities of people taking the vaccine, I am one of those people where I was like, let me, let me see what it does for y'all. And if y'all are okay, then I feel like I would be fine. Because like I say, I admittedly, um, was very skeptical. I felt, especially a lot of the last um, administration's messaging and things about this vaccine coming out and things um, that just were not true. We'll just say that kind of kind of made me skeptical. But even seeing um, the information that's coming out with black people taking the vaccine that are absolutely fine, mm -hmm. um, you know, it does. It gives me a little bit of reassurance and courage to um, <laughs> to go ahead and. Uh, take the vaccine when it is available to myself. But there is this myth within black and brown communities now, which is well-founded um, when it comes to medical 
mistrust and mistrust about vaccines. And I just want to speak a little bit about that because I know in some of my conversations, I'm hearing with people about the government putting things in the vaccine, putting things in our bodies, but there are people who still want to take this and they need to see people like you and Jaron um, as well taking this vaccine. So what do you say to those people who are skeptical and may feel um, that the government out again trying to get black people basically? Yeah, I mean, I just I shut up and listen when people express that concern because it's it's a very legitimate one, and it doesn't have as much to do with Tuskegee as it has to do with like they they keep saying, well, we know about the history of racism, and they keep emphasizing the word history, and I was like, you're acting like present day racism in the medical field does not exist, which is a lie because we all know that discrimination still happens, and we saw it play out last year with COVID from. Black people getting turned away from emergency rooms and being told to go home and they were on death's doorstep and then they died at home. And you weren't seeing that happening with a lot of white people. They were letting them in and getting them treated and this, that and the other. So, you know, I listen first and then I, you know, I, I don't try to pressure people with it. One of the best analogies or stories that I heard from one of my, my good friends, her name is uh, Kimberly Manning. Uh, she's a professor at, um, at Emory and works at Grady. Her, uh, her handle on Twitter is at Grady Doctor, and she's absolutely amazing. And she told this, she did a um, stream of tweets with her stories, and it was a hashtag, uh, what's your why? And it meant, what's your why, whether you're going to get the COVID-19 vaccine or not? And she was just stopping people on the street and just talking to people in random encounters and saying, hey, you're going to get the vaccine. This one woman was saying, well, I heard they're going to put something, you know, this mRNA vaccine is like a you know, it's a synthetic, it's nanobots, and they're putting that so they can track us. And she listened to the woman and just said, you know, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that rumor as well. I've heard people be concerned about that. And then she brought up the point. She said, well, don't you think with our cell phones, they already are tracking us. So they're tracking who we call, what we do online, what we do. And the woman had a cell phone. She said, so why would they go that extra step? Why would they have to create a vaccine to put something in our arms if they're already tracking us by our cell phones, which has much more information um, and can give them just as much detail about us. And the woman was like, yeah, you know, I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. And then she saw the woman again later and, you know, she wasn't uh, a hard no on the vaccine, but she was just a little bit like, yeah, I'm going to wait and see. And then she told, she said, you know, Dr. Manning, I really appreciate you telling me that. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Uh, and it made a difference because she said, I think I'm going to get the vaccine now. And so it really just takes having a conversation and listening. I, I think there are too many of us who are sitting there and judging people and saying, oh, my God, don't you care about, you know, our communities? Don't you care about public health? How can you how could you actually say that? And they're screaming at people. And I'm like, yeah, folks, people have legitimate concerns. And this is not a normal thing that's happened. And this is not mm -hmm. the normal speed with which a vaccine has been produced. And we didn't. We had a very abnormal president for the past four years. None of that shit was normal. So you're going to have to excuse a lot of people if they have concerns. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not too much um, into believing that that it, it has something that will track us. But at the same time, I'm, talk, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, we give up so much information willingly. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every single Google search that we have. Um, we give so much information willingly, like the last thing that we need to be thinking about as we try to save our own lives is whether or not they're tracking us with the vaccine. I just, you know, uh, I think Google has more information on me than my doctor's office 
<laughs> and that's a fact. History this past year with this pandemic um, going on. And as well, um, I want to make sure that people um, check out your experience also on your Instagram. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on your Facebook, Dr. Mel Branch, but your experience with taking the vaccine that you um, posted a video of as well uh, for people to actually watch your experience. Yeah, you could you could look me up on um, on Instagram. It's at D M A L E B R. Just you know, type in my last my first and last name, David Malbranch. You should be able to pull me up. But I put a couple videos just following up. The first one was about and also talking about living with HIV and whether it was safe to get the the vaccine or not. Um, and I felt it was important to actually say that and tell people because initially when we saw the COVID nineteen studies coming out they weren't finding that people with HIV were more susceptible to like more serious infection, hospitalizations or death. But then as the end of 2020 came around, we started seeing some studies that were saying, hey, actually people living with HIV, even if they had um, you know, an intact immune system were undetectable on meds, they could still be at higher risk. So they were kind of softly recommending that they bump living with HIV into more of a high risk category or bumping them up into more of a, um, a high priority category with the states about who was going to be uh, getting the vaccinations. But I know a lot of people were scared and I got a lot of positive feedback. A lot of people were DMing me saying like, thanks for that information that was helpful because you know if you don't see someone actually dive in the pool to see how <laughs> old it is, you know, you're not gonna know. And then you see somebody be like, oh, this will be okay. So, you know, I felt it was important to kind of share that with people on a general level and then also specifically about living with HIV. So I'm recommending it to all my patients. I took it myself. Uh, the studies actually had smaller numbers. The Pfizer Biotech, the Moderna studies, maybe had less than 200 uh, participants who were living with HIV in each study, um, but they didn't find anything abnormal or any horrible side effects in any of those groups. So I feel pretty confident. Obviously we need more studies, we need greater numbers, but I think right now, I think the benefits outweigh the risks for sure. Absolutely. Also, a question um, before was even with taking, is it important that you still wear your mask? Um, I, I, can't, I can't speak to the scientific side of it, but I'm I'm still committed to wearing my mask. Um, I know that having having had both um, vaccines. Uh, the chances of me getting, you know, terminally ill or, or being hospitalized uh, have decreased. But I'm just at a point where I don't, I don't want to get sick. Period. And what I can say is that since we've all been wearing masks, I have not gotten sick. Like I haven't gotten the cold, the upper respiratory infection. So the whole, the whole mask thing works. The last time I got sick was right before COVID happened. We had an event at work. And my boss was sick, but the event um, was was so important. We had a presidential candidate sending surrogates to the office to have an event with the community. So we were all there. And that was the last time I got sick. I got that from him. That was February of 2020. I haven't had a cold since when I normally get a cold, maybe once a quarter or twice a quarter. I have not had a cold since it, it's been a year. Yeah, and I'll add on to that. I think from us, from the scientific studies that we've seen, um, and I think it's a good reminder for people with the vaccine that these vaccines are 95% effective 
in reducing your risk of severe illness or disease, meaning you're really sick, you have to be hospitalized, the risk of death, those kind of things. It's not 95% less likely that you actually catch uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19. So the answer to your question, Michael, is, is a short one. It's you can have the vaccine and be protected against getting severe symptoms and yes, still get uh, SARS-CoV-2, you feel fine, but then you can have it in your nasal passages and your droplets and pass it on to someone else who may not be vaccinated. So it is important. I'm fully prepared for the rest of this year to be wearing a mask for the most part until we have about 75% or 80% of the country, what we consider the threshold for herd immunity, where most of the country has antibodies to it that I feel safe for running around. But to Jaren's point as well, last time I was sick was uh, January of 2020, I caught what I thought was the flu, but you haven't heard much about the flu this year at all. And the reason is because people have been wearing masks. Um, and so I think that's a good thing. So I think, you know, even if you get the vaccine, feel safer that you won't get a severe form of the, of the illness, uh, but you still need to protect yourself because you can still catch the virus itself. And that's very similar to what the flu shot does. The flu shot, just for um, comparison's sake, People don't know this, but the flu vaccine every year, it's its level of effectiveness in reducing uh, your likelihood of getting really bad, get, getting the flu really bad, is it varies from like 45 to like 60%, depending on the year. So like 95% for this COVID-19, these COVID-19 vaccines is like astronomical. Um, and so I think it's the same thing with the flu shot. So I think we just have to keep that in mind that it's, it's not preventing you from catching it, this, this uh, COVID-19 vaccine. It's preventing you from really getting sick from it, which I think is a huge deal. I've wanted to, um, to um, respond to Carrie Steele's on Facebook. I told you I'm, I'm looking at the, at the feed on here. He said he, he, lives, he lives here in Michigan and he was looking online to see where they would be given. Um, right now, each city is handling in Michigan. The cities are handling vaccine vaccine distribution in in Michigan. So, like, if you if you are trying to get a vaccine at the TCF, you have to show something um, with a Detroit address and your name. Um, something. So you know, just just remember that. I'll add on to that that here in Georgia. Um, it is by county. So you want to check your county health department's website, the state's web website, and go on from there. I will say um, a couple things. Shout out to Leo Moore, who does a, a great YouTube channel called The Practical MD. You should check him out. He had Stefan Wallace, who does a lot of work in HIV at the Fred Hutchinson Center and with the HIV Vaccine Trials Network. And they had a great episode talking about um, the study itself, uh, the studies themselves and kind of how the vaccine works. That's one thing. But also here in Georgia, uh, there's a Dr. David Holland who works with Emory, but is also really spearheading a lot of the COVID-19 vaccine stuff at Fulton County. What he has always told me um, on Twitter recently is that the problem that they're seeing is always about supply. And so they have so much demand and they just don't have enough, which again, to Jaron's point, is that that's a problem for the federal government. The federal government previously said, oh, we got this vaccine, good for us, we did it at warp speed. And they didn't even plan 
on a rollout, on getting equitable distribution to all the states, about making sure there was enough vaccine available for the demand. They didn't do any of that. Um, and so they just left that in the hands of the current administration, which is now trying to clean up that mess and move forward. And I think, thankfully, we're starting to take the steps, but you can see it kind of just slowly inching forward. But I know here in Georgia, you have to check your county's website and keep checking back because I think they know um, I don't know what it's like in some of the counties in uh, Detroit and in Michigan, Jerem, but here I guess they're getting it on a rolling weekly basis where they find out what kind of supply they're getting every week. And so they have to open up the online scheduling on a weekly basis. And then by the time people, of course, for that week when people jump on and they flood the system and schedule all the appointments, it's done within probably a few hours or a day, and then you have to wait another week after that. So it, it really puts the pressure on individuals to be persistent and keep checking back again and again and again, which is crazy, but that's just where we are. And I'm hopeful that as the supply ramps up, we'll be able to you know, meet the demand. I want to point out another thing that's interesting um, is in Georgia, you can also get it at a um, like a Kroger, a CVS. That hasn't happened yet here in Michigan. Um, and much like uh, for those of you in North Carolina, um, North Carolina is also the same way where they know week to week how many vaccines they have to give out. So if you call your, your city or county, however they're distributing the vaccine at the beginning of the week, early in the morning, um, you know, you gotta, get, you gotta be up at eight, nine o'clock and calling at eight, nine o'clock. Um, to, to try to get a chance at getting one of those one of those slots. Um, but the, the vaccine rollout in pharmacies hasn't happened here in Michigan yet, but I know that it has in Georgia. Thank you definitely for that. We have time for one more question. I want to squeeze this in really quickly, but someone asked, how can people learn about um, COVID-19 studies and get involved? Um, I you know, the best site that has been for COVID-19 since it started actually is the CDC's website. And I would just say to go to cdc.gov um, and they'll talk about the latest studies that have come out. That They have people in there. And, you know, I just want to remind people that the previous iterations of the CDC uh, with the previous administration was reflective of that administration. Um, Dr. Rochelle Walensky is the head of the CDC right now. And already within like a month or two, she's been already very transparent, very vocal, active presence on Twitter, doing all that. So even, even last time, there were some questions about some things that were coming out. There was some conflicting stuff that was going on with the government. And it was always kind of shaky. Um, but now I think everyone's on the same page, the scientists as well as the government. And you don't realize like what a blessing that is. And like you take it for granted and then you saw what was happening you know, last year, and it was like, oh my God, like if these people aren't on the same page, if you have people that don't believe in science and then the scientists can't really do anything and they can't really say anything, it's really problematic. So right now the scientists and the government are on the same page. And so check the CDC's website. But again, um, like Jared was saying as well, like check your state websites, check your county department of health websites and see how you can get involved because they will also give you information about uh, some of the more recent, there's still clinical trials going on. So if you want to get involved, you can get involved in clinical trials too. So there are more vaccines being tested right now. So it's not too late. I have, I have a question for Dr. Milbranch, if I can. Do we have time? Go for it. What What was last year like for you as a doctor, someone in the medical field? It is a science, right? What was it like for you? Like 
seeing um, science be disregarded at the right. level and, and seeing remarks being made like injecting bleach and injecting light. Like how, how were, how did that impact? Like you, did you have a lot of patients? Like you, were you like, did you think of like some patients that I need to call because they will believe it? You know, like what was it like for you? Well, no, I didn't. And I was, last year was a difficult year for me for, for other reasons. My father had passed at the beginning of the year. So I was kind of out of the loop a little bit, but just to your question, like as a scientist, as a, a medical person, I found it very frustrating because you, I was longing to hear from the CDC daily mm-hmm. and the COVID-19 task force would always start with the president or the vice president. And they didn't know, you know, you look at Vice President Pence, he was the one that botched up the whole thing in Indiana with the HIV outbreak. So I was like, why is he even speaking? And so the only person that I trusted in that group, to be honest with you, was Fauci. Um, And it's interesting because I see a lot of things on Twitter nowadays uh, about Fire Fauci. There was a hashtag for Fire Fauci the other day and people are kind of coming for him. But they were like, well, he was he, he didn't know what he was doing at the beginning. And I was like, this was a new virus last year at this time. None of us knew what the hell was going on, but I, th- I think it was really frustrating for me because I f- I found all of us, public health officials, medical personnel, we were on our heels and having to battle disinformation daily, um, one-on-one with patients, with our friends, with our families, and definitely on social media. I can't tell you the number of times people sent me videos from crazy people that were that would say they were doctors and we're completely misinterpreting data, we're completely misrepresenting information. And I had to keep saying, please stop sharing this with your circles because this is the kind of garbage that we're having to fight all day. But once it gets out there, once something goes viral, it's crazy. But as a scientist, it was really frustrating for me. Um, and people were like looking at me like, oh, well, you're just gonna say this and say that. And I was like, um, I'm just talking about the facts and the science, like this is, I, it's not a political agenda on my part. It's not a personal bias. If you look at numbers and just stay with that, it is. But it was pretty frustrating all last year seeing that battle go on. Nice. Yes, thank yeah. you. We people to share this video since we are getting the information out with you both. And I wish we had much more time to get in this conversation because I feel like it's so much more good stuff. But they're telling me to wrap this thing on up. So I definitely appreciate everybody here for joining us on Revolutionary Health Live. Make sure that you follow Jaron and Dr. Mel Branch on their social media, as well as CNP at CNP Tribe on all our socials. Again, please be safe, wash your hands, wear your mask, and share your experiences as well. If you've taken the vaccine, if you prepare um, to take the vaccine, if you have questions, um, drop them when this drops on YouTube. But as always, Be good to yourself and I will see you again.